It's kind of amazing when you think about the enduring legacy of the Sunday morning political talk show. We're so used to the news media being in flux between new models and platforms, longevity actually seems surprising. And yet, every Sunday, the biggest newsmakers in politics still convene on shows like Face the Nation, Meet the Press, and This Week, just as they did a decade before Sputnik. Hello and welcome to the Harvard Kennedy School PolicyCast. I'm your host, Matt Cadwallader, and you can subscribe to us on iTunes or elsewhere by visiting hkspolicycast.org. You can also find us every week in Boston Globe Opinion and on Twitter at PolicyCast. Our guest today is Bob Schieffer, who began working at CBS News in 1969, eventually becoming the network's chief Washington correspondent. He also served as moderator of Face the Nation for 24 years before stepping down earlier this year. He's currently the Walter Shorenstein Media and Democracy Fellow at the Shorenstein Center on Media, Politics, and Public Policy here at HKS. Bob Schieffer, thanks for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. I've had a lot of fun up here, I'll tell you that. It's really been a great experience. Well, how many times have you uh, come up and, and given talks at the Shorenstein Center now? Well, been- I um, uh, basically what I'm doing is I'm visiting campus uh, twice each semester. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be here this semester, I'll be here next semester, and the semester after that through the election. Mm-hmm. And basically, uh, my assignment is to kind of be uh, – uh, the Kennedy School's uh, reporter on the campaign, and I, I come and try to keep people up to date about what's happening, what I think is going to happen, mm-hmm. and uh, and just uh, you know do as much backgrounding as I can on the campaign. Well, I've certainly enjoyed uh, the, you, the talks that you have given have been uh, posted. The Shorenstein Center has a podcast mm-hmm. themselves, and uh, they've been very interesting, both your, your perspective and the Q&A portions. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the way media is changing. You were at CBS starting in 1969, mm-hmm. uh, the show that you eventually hosted for what, 24 years mm-hmm. um, began in 1954. That format, that Sunday morning political uh, talk show, mm-hmm. uh, it's extremely important in the political world. Since 1954, obviously, we've gone through many different changes in the media landscape, You know, whether it be cable news or the internet or... yeah. Well, you know, uh, the interesting thing about the Sunday talk shows, and not just Face the Nation, which is the second oldest program on television, the first oldest is Meet the Press. Mm-hmm. Uh, quite frankly, the people at CBS, Dr. Frank Stanton, who was the president of the network, uh, created Face the Nation because he said, we need a broadcast like Meet the Press. And basically, uh, we have the same mission today that we had on that first broadcast, Uh, And by the way, the first guest was Joe McCarthy, of all people. Uh, But the mission was to pick out the person who was making news that week, Mm -hmm. the biggest newsmaker of the week, sit them down at a table and and talk to them. And now we now can talk in real time to people on the other side of the earth. But basically, uh, other than that, uh, we haven't haven't changed the format much. Mm -hmm. And, And what I like about it is... People seem to think it's relevant. We mm-hmm. still get a large audience. We get about three and a half million people every mm-hmm. Sunday. And the other shows uh, don't get quite as many as Face the Nation does. But uh, you're talking about 10 or 11 million people mm-hmm. uh, watching those shows. The Sunday morning time period, I think, is the smartest time period on television <laughs> when you come down right down to it. And I don't mean just at CBS, but I mean across the board. Uh, the talking heads you see on Sunday morning, uh, 
There's not a lot of anchor annex. There's not a lot of uh, gotcha questions. Mm-hmm. It, it is, I think, probably the most serious time of the day for a discussion on television, and I'm very proud of that, and I think there's still uh, a need for that, and I think people still find it relevant, and I think the ratings uh, are, are evidence of that. The ratings are interesting, but it's also interesting that people continue to go to those shows for the most important interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, is that because you know the ratings are still big enough? And with all these other formats out there, yeah. why hasn't anything well, else? Well, this uh, you know on Face the Nation, you can actually get into the third, fourth, and fifth paragraph <laughs> of an issue. Uh, sure. So much of uh, you know even on the evening news at night, you know it's a thirty second soundbite or or something like that uh people uh i've always thought my philosophy is ask a person a question more importantly give them an opportunity to answer the question Mm -hmm. and uh most of the questions that you ask uh come from what the guest has already said people say you know you go into one of these programs obviously we have a plan we have uh we have questions that we've prepared and thought about but basically, you ask that first question, and the second question is generally always uh, comes out of what the person said in answer to the first question, and mm-hmm. that's that's where you get the follow-up question. Mm-hmm. Uh, we still, you know, fight the the sound, the talking points, and all of that, and and uh, people are much more sophisticated in in media management than they used to be. Not not just in politics, but in sports and in business. Uh, so we have to ask sharper questions. We have to listen more closely. Mm-hmm. Uh, but every once in a while, we get past the talking points and actually get some news. Given that it's still getting ratings, I can understand that it will still continue as it currently is. But given mm-hmm. all of the change that's happened, do you see that format in particular that Sunday morning uh, talk show, is that an enduring thing? Or oh, well, is this I think change? it is. And I mean, I know the old rule is don't fix something that's not broken. We don't think it's broken. We think people, and we think opinion makers, uh, watch these broadcasts. Uh, this is where people in Washington talk to one another, uh, in addition to talking to the to the voters and, and, and to the people out there. Uh, so we want to keep it pretty much as it is. Uh, yeah, we kind of trim it up here and there. Uh, we use the satellites. Uh, you know, we'll often open our broadcast with uh, some news event that's happening on the other side of the world and bring in our correspondents over there. But basically, we're just trying to tell people what happened, tell them to the best of our ability, try to find out why it happened, why our policymakers made the decisions that they did, and what can we expect to to happen in the future. Mm-hmm. And uh as again, as I say, not rocket science, but if you do this right, you provide a real service, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, we're seeing, you know, kind of a crisis in journalism. A lot of newspapers are going out of business, uh, trying to find the proper uh, business model to stay afloat. But the fact of the matter is, uh, you'll always have a need for journalists in journalism. I don't know exactly what medium young people will be working in, because you cannot have a democracy unless citizens have access to independently gathered information, which they compare to the government's version of events and Mm -hmm. then decide what to do about things. So there's always going to be a need for journalists. Mm -hmm. Uh, I tell young people, look, I don't know if you're going to work at a newspaper like I did when I first started out. Uh, I don't know if you're going to work at a website or a TV station, uh, but I know there's going to be a need 
for journalists because somebody has to gather this information. Mm -hmm. What do you think about the ways news is consumed these days? Uh, I mean, obviously, people used to get most of their news from television. Now that's not well. True I, I tell board. you, it's not so much the way it's consumed as we're overwhelmed by the information. There's more information than we can process. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're getting it 24/7. It's coming at us from all sides, uh, from the top to the bottom, and sometimes there's so much information that uh, we we can't process it. it I mean. You know, wisdom does not necessarily uh, parallel how much information you're able to get. Mm -hmm. and, and a big part of what we do today is try to winnow out and figure out how do we get through this great maw of information that we're overwhelmed by to tell people what we think is really relevant and mm -hmm. what they really need to know about. Given that uh, overwhelming uh, amount of information out there, I think you wouldn't be surprised to find out that a lot of people are kind of sick of the pres 2016 presidential race already. Um, but I read recently uh, that you said you kind of wish you were still in it. You still were in oh. the trenches following following the campaign. Oh, I, Why I, is that? I, I kind of, I'm not sure I really believe this. <laughs> or, or, uh, it's true, but I said, you know, had I known Donald Trump was going to run, I don't think I would have retired. But I think what this campaign is showing us, I've never covered a presidential campaign that was like the previous one. Uh, they're all mm -hmm. different, and this may be the most different of all. And mm -hmm. uh, I said from the beginning, I take Donald Trump seriously. I think it's conceivable he could get the Republican nomination. Mm -hmm. And the reason I say that is the Trump candidacy is a direct result of the frustration, the anger, uh, the disgust that people have with our political system right now. And, and the reason they feel that way is the government has simply come to a halt. It doesn't do anything. The Congress can't get anything done. Mm -hmm. And so people are fed up with that. And so it doesn't surprise me that they would turn to someone that it had nothing to do with any of it. I think a lot of people are not sure what they want, but they don't want what they've got. Mm -hmm. And I think that is why you've seen uh, Trump have the uh, success that uh, he has had so far. And also another outsider, a very unlikely candidate, uh, Ben Carson. Mm -hmm. I wonder, and I think it's too early to say, I'm beginning to wonder if, though, if, if Trump is beginning to top out. I mean, he, he seems to be kind of leveling off at anywhere from 20 to 30, 30%. It may well be that he is uh, about to have the fate that happens to all reality TV stars. If there's not a new twist in the plot, if they don't have something new to say, then people come bored with them. Mm -hmm. And I wonder now if people are kind of tired mm -hmm. uh, of Donald Trump. I mean, the fact is he hadn't said anything new in about a month now. And uh, it may be that people are saying, well, I've heard all that. Mm -hmm. and, and, and they're turning away. Now, what happens after that? I don't know. Uh, ben Carson uh, is kind of a polite, gentle version of Donald Trump. But a lot of the positions he's taken and a lot of the beliefs that he have, has expressed, I think when people start to focus in on the substance of what he is saying, uh, they may have some second thoughts mm -hmm. about that. Uh, but if you were to ask me today who I think is going to get the Republican nomination, I couldn't tell you. I, I really don't know. Do you think that frustration uh, on the part of just uh, people in general about the way Washington isn't working, uh, do you think that also explains on the left the support behind Bernie Sanders? Yeah, I think it's a big part of it. And I mean, I think what has happened here, and I think it goes just beyond 
uh, Bernie Sanders, um, the system has become so overwhelmed by money. I mean, that's all that matters anymore. And in order to get elected, uh, you have to spend 70% of your time just baking people for money. Mm-hmm. A lot of good, qualified people just don't want to fool with that. They want no part of it. And so they're not getting into politics anymore like they used to. And the result is the people who are getting into politics who are the people who are willing to do that. And sometimes they're very, very limited. Mm-hmm. I just don't think they're, uh, the quality of the candidates is as good mm-hmm. uh, as it used to be. But when I talk about you look at the, uh, the Republican side of the aisle and the candidates over there, and then you look on the Democratic side, and again you see that, you know, how is it? At this point, that we have really one legitimate Democratic candidate. You know, Hillary Clinton, you may not like her, you may love her, but she's a legitimate candidate. She's been a senator. She's mm-hmm. been a secretary of state. She has a resume. She has a national following. But then the guy running second is Bernie Sanders, a guy who's never run for anything as a Democrat, who even mm-hmm. got up on the stage at the last debate and said, I'm not a capitalist. Well, as I told somebody, I mean, he might get a few votes around here, but I don't think he's going to get many votes down where I grew up, you know, to, right. to stand up and say I'm not, not a capitalist. Yeah. Uh, but then after him, a small state governor, Martin O'Malley, very nice person, uh, but who has absolutely no national following whatsoever. And then two guys that showed up at the last debate who just, you know, had an evening free, so they decided to come on over and, and be on stage. Mm-hmm. And, and how is it? that we have a system now that this is the best it could do. Why aren't there more qualified candidates mm-hmm. on both sides? And again, I think many times it's because people simply don't want to fool with it anymore. If you were in the trenches and you were covering mm-hmm. it uh, full-time right now, uh, do you think you would be bringing something different to the media coverage? Oh, no, I don't know what I would do. I would just try to do what I always did, and that is to you know, get the best the newsmaker of the week and get them on face the nation and and uh try to find out what is going on and and what's happening and uh you know i have always said the horse race part of it is is important people say well we spend too much time on the horse race the most the thing that most people want to know is who's winning and so i think i think that is a big part of the story but Mm -hmm. what what issues are catching fire? I haven't heard anybody give any you know, what I think is any solution to what's going on in Syria right now. Mm-hmm. I certainly haven't heard anybody give a realistic uh, solution to the uh, to this immigration problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are 11 million people in this country that are that are called illegals. Uh, it's well and good to say, well, I'm just going to send them home. Well, how are they going to get home? <laughs> Uh, you know, we didn't, we couldn't find enough buses before Katrina to get several thousand people out of the path of that hurricane. Mm-hmm. You're talking about moving 11 million people. Where are you going to get the buses? Or are you just going to keep them here and keep them in jail? Mm-hmm. Uh, you can imagine how much it would cost to build the jails to keep all those people in. That's that's totally unrealistic. And until somebody comes up with an idea about how we're going to handle those people, all these other ideas about what we're going to do is, uh, you know, they don't matter. So when you look back on past campaigns uh, in the interviews you've done, are there any that stick out as uh, particularly interesting or, or uh, maybe uh, impactful? Uh, uh, you know, some of them are just kind of funny. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I remember going, I was with Fritz Hollings, a senator from South Carolina, and 
he was trying to run for the Democratic nomination, and he was up in New Hampshire, and his campaign was just going absolutely nowhere, and everybody knew it, including him. And I remember one day, I remember one day we went into this place. He was touring some bakery or something. They had this big cake made up to look like the White House, and I said. Uh, well, Senator, what do you think about that? He said, take a good look at it, boys. This is the closest old Fritz is ever going to get to the White House. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's it's things like that you'll always remember. I remember Gary Bauer, who was running on the Republican side, and they were having this pancake flipping contest in New Hampshire one time. And old Gary flipped his pancake up so high that he backed off the stage trying to catch it. And fell, I mean, it fell about four feet. He just backed right off the stage. People said, oh my heavens, you're not going to use that, are you? I said, well, are you kidding? Of course we're going to use it. I didn't ask him to run for president. But he got, let me tell you, I wasn't the only one that used it. Of course, of course everything, everybody did. But you always remember... Oh, those kind of. I remember one time George McGovern was somewhere and he was trying to do something about pollution. And someone just walked up to him and handed him a fish. And he didn't know what to do with it. So he's standing just there. Just a raw fish with a raw a fish. <laughs> you know, and, and so he spent the rest, the rest of the rally trying to figure out what to do with this fish. And, and, and those are the little things that you, they, they, they really don't matter in the long run. I guess that's why there's so much money in politics, so you can pay the people to take the fish. Exactly. <laughs> or, or have somebody to stop the guy with the fish from giving it to right. the candidate. You know, because there's always somebody that wants to give the candidate something. Right, you know? yeah. And uh, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's a big part of it. But uh, uh, I, I love covering campaigns. And I said at the beginning, you know, every one of them is different. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, I don't care whether the candidates are good or bad. You, you know, getting out with people and 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 I love it in you know in New Hampshire and Iowa because it's actually face to face campaigning that didn't mm -hmm. happen in in most of the states anymore. It didn't mm -hmm. cost effective, but you know in Iowa and New Hampshire, uh, people actually want to get out and meet the candidates, mm -hmm. and uh, the candidates are forced to meet them. And uh, <laughs> uh, I think that's uh, a really good thing, and it's too bad we can't have more of it. Yeah. Uh, so when we look at this campaign, you know, you say every campaign's different, but there's a lot of, uh, you know, common uh, common wisdom that, well, for instance, predicted that Donald Trump would never be a serious candidate. Well, of course, now he is. Uh, is it even, I mean, can you even predict what's going to happen over the next year? Is it possible? Uh, no, I mean, I, I really I really can't say right now. I think at this point, I, I think by the end of this year, uh, as we get closer to Iowa and New Hampshire, We'll, we'll have a, a better fix on it right now, but I think everything is uh, just totally, totally in flux right now. Uh, and I I have no idea what's going to happen, and I'll guarantee you, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you absolutely, I'm one of those who a year ago would not have predicted that we'd be uh, where we are, where we are today. Well, uh, hopefully it'll be fun to watch at least. Um, well, it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Bob Schieffer is the Walter Shorenstein Media and Democracy Fellow at the Shorenstein Center on Media, Politics, and Public Policy. Thanks so much for coming on PolicyCast It, it, it was today. a lot of fun to be here. Thank you. HKS PolicyCast is produced by Matt Cadwallader and Molly Lanzarota. Photography by Tatiana Johnson. Special thanks to those who helped get us out there every week, including Catherine Serafin at Harvard, as well as Ellen Clegg and Nicole Hernandez at the Boston Globe. And to you for listening in. See you next week. You've been listening to the Harvard Kennedy School PolicyCast. You can subscribe to PolicyCast on iTunes, Stitcher, and elsewhere by visiting hkspolicycast.org. 
and let us know what you think on Twitter 